Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's going on, guys? Welcome to ID Podcast. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Sarah's <laughs> Southern Roots are coming out. Yep. 
Yeah, well, we are here still in sunny Oregon enjoying the summer and hope you are too wherever you're listening to this podcast. And on today's show, we talk about something that I think is something we'll talk about more in in the future on this podcast for sure and has real implications this day and age and that is how the digital age can affect your marriage or relationship and the things to look out for and how to basically set yourself up for success in your relationship when it comes to dealing with social media, your phone, texting, all of these things that socially, culturally, uh, psychologically are having a real impact on uh, on our lives. Yeah, I think... Uh, didn't Zach use some crazy statistic about the amount of people that are... Yeah, 75%. Is that the one you're talking about? 75% yeah. of or, uh, more, divorce papers. He, he didn't reference the state. And we're going to... What? Divorce papers? What do you call it? Oh, I thought you meant uh, divorce people. <laughs> D- divorce papers. No, you're saying yeah, in yeah. the court yeah. that uh, that 75% mentioned Facebook in in this particular state. Send us uh, the data on that if someone wants to look yeah. that up. But I don't think Zach was making it up. So at any rate, it, that's an incredible number. And, and um, yeah, it's just technology, all this stuff is, is new to to our lives and the human experience. And it has a real impact on not just our relationships with others, but our relationship with ourselves, with our our, our kids as well. And, and I know personally, and I talk about this in the interview, that it's something that I'm, I try to work on and be more mindful of is, is my phone use, social media, comparing myself to, to other people and, and what they're doing. It, even if it's not consciously, it, it's probably going on unconsciously for, for a lot of people out there. And I know I try to be conscious of it, and uh, I know it has it has negative effects. And I don't think it, it in our particular case, uh, with Sarah and I in our marriage, it's not too negative, although Sarah will be like, get off your phone, you know, sometimes. Only once in a while. Only once <laughs> in a while. And, 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 it's per- and she's right most of the time, and she doesn't say it like that, but... But uh, well, no. A lot of the time, it if I do feel that, it's usually because Stella's around and yeah, our daughter we just are trying to be mindful and uh, of our media consumption around her. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a whole other really important topic is is with kids. But but um, today we we have Dr. Carter on, and he did his doctoral thesis on basically this studying uh, marriages that failed because of social media and a, and a large part of it uh, was Facebook and how that created infidelity whether it was just emotional infidelity or leading to an actual affair and physical but he, he did an entire doctoral thesis on this so he was definitely the guy to talk to and, and Dr. Carter is an assistant professor of communication at Taylor University and his teaching and research he's also doing research um, are all through the lens of social psychology with a particular focus on how this new media the digital age is affecting our relationships so definitely a uh, the guy to talk to on this topic and I think it's just really important we we 
like technology we are coming to you through technology right now you know you're probably listening on your phone and and hopefully um not also scrolling through instagram or or definitely uh doing something passive but it it is uh it's a great thing and it's just important to be cognizant of how it's affecting uh the relationships in your life and you personally and and uh I know, again, that that I can say it it has great things and great benefits, but that there's many times where I'm like, man, this is kind of it's. I'm go through the black hole of scrolling through <laughs> Instagram, and I'm like, where did the last thirty minutes go? We've you know? all been there. Yeah, and, and it's <laughs> yeah, and it, it is funny, and but it it is really it's almost a sad thing, like that. That's thirty minutes that I'll never get back, and so what? So I can look at like some cool pictures. Like, yeah, there's obviously there's some benefit to it, and I might be inspired to travel somewhere, or, or and there is some of that. But it's just really keeping it in check. And Dr. Carter gives some great tools, and also how to avoid the uh, the temptations that come along with reaching out to that that long lost lover or, or on Facebook. It's so easy now, and and he he talks about how to navigate that. Yeah, and you may be listening and and maybe dealing with temptations isn't something that uh, you're dealing with, but maybe your partner or your spouse has an issue with too much consumption of social media. And so Dr. Carter also goes into some detail about how you can confront them kindly to uh, work on that so they aren't spending so much time on social media. Yeah, that's a a valuable thing. Don't slap the phone out of their hand and say, get off there. That's not the way to do it. No. (laughs) (laughs) But Dr. Carter has some great stuff. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening, leaving us reviews, sending us emails, five-star reviews. Those are the best ones. We especially like those. And uh, yeah, hope this is coming to you and you are having a great day and enjoy. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. Get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on a path to a happier life. For $30 off your first month, visit Talkspace.com forward slash I do. That's Talkspace.com forward slash I do. We have Dr. Zach Carter with us here today. Thanks so much for joining us today, Zach. Hey, thanks y'all for having me. I really appreciate this. All right, Dr. Carter, we've given our listeners a little overview. So why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Sure. Uh, My name is Dr. Zach Carter. Um, I uh, recently married uh, this past year. Uh, to my beautiful wife, Stacy, um, I'm an assistant professor of communication uh, at Taylor University. I am a contributor for Psychology Today and Relevant Magazine. I focus a lot of my uh, research and teaching efforts uh, centered around interpersonal communication, uh, specifically um, relationship formation and development, uh, and more specifically than that, uh, marriage fidelity. What really got me into studying marriage fidelity, uh, it's really people ask me that, uh, and it's really hard to give them a real solid answer. It uh, was really just seemed to be laid on my heart uh, about six or seven years ago. I started doing research on an area of relationships that I could maybe you know help out in, uh, potentially, as I was going through my 
uh, doctoral program uh, and really uh, just saw the research starting to come out about um, uh, marriages being uh, devastated and ending even uh, uh, from the Internet, from text messaging, uh, which at the time was like really, I mean, through text messages, Facebook, um, Instagram, stuff like that, I was kind of um, – kind of dumbfounded kind of why is this happening uh and so i started doing the research i uh, did my dissertation research got it published uh, in an academic journal and then uh started writing for psychology today and really found that um it was really resonating on uh, people's hearts uh that uh, they were finding that they could relate uh, so easily uh i know on psychology today they posted it on facebook and though i don't have facebook i can still go to the, their facebook uh page and see some of the comments and it's one of, it was one of the most popular articles uh that uh, they posted uh, and people would say, yes, this happened to me. I had this experience or I instigated this. Uh, people on there confessing that it really is an issue. So it, that stuff really, those comments fuel me to continue researching, continue writing, continue teaching on such an important topic that um, I really, really need uh, uh, as marriages uh, in our marriages today to focus on. Well, that just leads us right into it. And, and who better to talk about protecting your marriage in the digital age than someone that did their doctoral thesis on it? So that's what your thesis was about, was was particularly focused on that, correct? Yes. Um, my, my dissertation did focus on uh, marriages that um, uh, were devastated. And uh, um, actually only one married couple reconciled that I examined the majority of them were victims of particularly Facebook communication that was um, laden with emotional or sexual uh, dialogue that ended up in a real-world sexual affair and then ended up uh, ending the marriage, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, that's what I focused on. Well, let's jump right in. And what is the biggest concern that you have with the new era of technology and media uh in how it is affecting uh, not just marriage, you know, I would imagine it's it's serious dating mm-hmm. relationships um, in general. But what is the the biggest concern you have, and and then we'll talk about how how we can deal with it. Sure. Uh, you know, people I hear the argument all the time. You know, haven't we seen this in other communication mediums? I mean, sure. You know, when the t- telephone first came out, you had us uh, people uh, trying to commit adultery, you know, over the phone, you got switchboard operators listening on the phone calls, and then they would tell their spouses. Um, so there's always going to be issues with every communication medium, but it's uh, learning to, I guess, steward well, the new communication medium. With, unfortunately, though, what we're not really seeing, uh, what at least I'm not seeing, um, according to research, according to talking to people, and um, uh, is that folks just don't look at Facebook, text messaging, um, and the words that they send and they receive as having equal uh, implications to their marriage as maybe uh, words that they would say, actions that they would do in, in face-to-face, uh, face-to-face uh, setting. Uh, so it's really concerning that there's this illusion almost, uh, this illusion uh, that uh, it can't happen to me when I'm texting uh, or Facebooking uh, with the opposite sex, even if it's over trivial content, even if it's just about, you know, how was your day? How's it work, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, because uh, nine times out of 10, I, I really want to say 10 times out of 10, but as a researcher, I would, won't say that, but nine times out of 10, um, uh, that type of content uh, in the fairs I've seen, uh, it, it starts with trivial content. You just don't jump in a, um, in, into a conversation and have emotional confiding or start talking about uh, sex and what you want to do to each other. Um, with that type of, um, th- that, that quickly, it, I, I call, I call it, uh, kind of the breadcrumb effect. Like you can look back on your, on the affair and you can see how it transpired. Unfortunately, what folks aren't seeing 
with Facebook and texting is that they get to like uh, point 10 of an affair. Let's say there's 10 points uh, and they don't see steps, excuse me, points one through nine. Um, and they look back and they say, wow, you know, how did I even get here? When it's, it's really easy to see that the conversation started very trivial. They maybe started talking about emotions and then sex. And then they, before you know it, they're having a real world affair. So my biggest concern is that folks just aren't looking at or viewing, excuse me, the, the communication medium of, um, of like technology, Internet, cell phones uh, as having uh, equal face to face implications uh, as online. Why do you think that? Why do I think that? Um, growing up, I uh, have, have a very wise mother and father. My mom, uh, she used to talk about uh, culture, as, as she would say, uh, and maybe you all have heard of this, you're, we're a, a frog in the frying pan, or, or excuse me, the boiling pot of water. Uh, the water doesn't start warm. Uh, it starts off very lukewarm, very almost cold. So we're the frog, we're sitting in the, in the, in the boiling, in the, excuse me, in the, in the pot of water and you slowly turn up the heat and you don't really notice it. And uh, what's funny is if you actually do this, it's not funny, I mean, I would never do this, but if you put a frog in a, um, a pot of water and you slowly turn it up, he will slowly cook himself uh, from the inside out. Um, and uh, as graphic as an image that is, um, that's kind of where we're at as a culture is that we can, uh, it's classical conditioning. It's uh, we're conditioning ourselves uh, slowly and we don't know it. it. It's as with anything. Uh, you drive to work every day, you condition yourself with the route that you go there and back. Um, when you get home, you have a routine and oftentimes you look back and you're like, wow, I don't even remember doing that. Same with Facebook communication, same with texting communication, uh, and, and, uh, talking with people of the opposite sex. You can find yourself in dangerous waters, warm waters, uh, without even knowing it. Um, and that's my, my greatest concern for folks is that they're really not cognizant. Um, and that's one of my greatest findings I've ever found is that people just aren't cognizant, truly just aren't cognizant until they actually have the affair. They're like, how did this happen? Uh, you know, it just started off so innocently because many people out there, they steward well their communication. They steward it well. Uh, and they can have an individual, individual Facebook accounts and they can have text messaging service on their cell phones. But unfortunately, uh, we have a proclivity uh, in human nature to uh, be tempted. And so there need to be guidelines in place and there needs to be uh, on, on how the self interacts. And I think, unfortunately, we're in such a a narcissistic, hyper-narcissistic society uh, today that um, it, the culture says you don't need to have guidelines. You just do what makes you happy. Um, if bad things happen, you just revise them then. So how do we navigate this? <laughs> this is, it seems like you've made a decision to not use Facebook, at least um, saying that, that you check the Psychology Today page um, but not through your account. So obviously that is a one step that someone could take. What would you tell someone that's like, no, I don't want to give up social media. Um, and no, I don't really have a problem. How do we just be careful, I guess, and, and not let something like this, uh, like an infidelity, even emotional infidelity, I think is something you touched on, but it doesn't necessarily even have to materialize into an affair in the physical sense, even meeting in person. But if you're confiding in someone through text or through Facebook, it, it can certainly lead to that. But even that is, is uh, a form of infidelity. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, you hit the nail on the head there. I couldn't have said it better myself, truly. Um, uh, 
the one of the arguments also is, you know, it, it's just words on a page. It's not going to hurt my marriage. Even though your spouse may never find out uh, the emotional confiding or even sexual confiding that you're having, um, what you're doing is you are slowly uh, detaching yourself cognitively from your spouse without even knowing it. That happens. There's an emotional detachment that will occur, will occur. Uh, if that is consistent, if that emotional confiding, if the sexual confiding is consistent. So what are my recommendations? Um, because I know ma- many of my colleagues, uh, family members do have individual Facebook accounts. Um, and that is not in and of itself evil at all. Um, many folks just cannot steward it well. And so, or they know that they may have a proclivity to being tempted. And so they have an honest conversation with themselves and they say, Hey, you know what, I should maybe get off social media when I'm when I'm when I get married, or I should have a joint Facebook account, which I often recommend. It's not it's not a, a possessive mood move because there's a fine line between possessiveness uh, and protection. Uh, uh, and that if there's possessive possessiveness, you can kind of um, you need to have a castle in your marriage and you need to have large walls to protect against the outside. But if you really have too many rules and you really become so obsessed over them, you can become possessive. And you can end up burning down your entire village inside the castle. So you guard against the outside, but on the inside, you burn yourself, yourself down. So what I really recommend for, for married couples is really have just a sit down, one-on-one, honest conversation about your thoughts on social media, on text messaging with the opposite sex, specifically in social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, whatever folks are, are using, um, really uh, need to be cognizant of the, the type of friend requests that they send, that they receive. Uh, they really just need to be, have an honest conversation with themselves. I see it sounds kind of like a cliche um, that uh, you need to do that, but only you know yourself better than anyone. Uh, and so you really need to know, you know, could this in the long run, am I attracted to this person emotionally or sexually? You know, do I know they're emotionally maybe or sexually attracted to me? Is this a former boyfriend or girlfriend? Um, et cetera, et cetera. So really, it really uh, starts there if you do choose to have an individual account. Uh, and then from there, it really goes to, you know, just avoiding emotional and sexual content, um, even watching out with the trivial content, even watching for breadcrumbs. I call it, the, like I said, the breadcrumb effect, watching the breadcrumbs and seeing, hey, you know what, are they showing more interest? Uh, are they are they messaging me real quick whenever I log on and it shows the icon that I'm, you know, I'm online, I'm here. Um, am I, do I have a proclivity to go and look at their page and their pictures, et cetera, et cetera. And then really knowing that it's okay to unfriend. It's okay to block. Um, when Ak and I had Facebook, I, I had my own individual account. So did my wife, I had no problem blocking people. It's not that I hated them. It's just that I blocked them out of my uh, consciousness and uh, that they were maybe across country, maybe it was a former um, uh, uh, significant other from the past. It's what I did because it was the right thing to do. I didn't. I never wanted to even cross that bridge or even be tempted to. And so I did that for the sake of myself while I was dating and engaging, courting my wife, my current my, my wife right now, um, who's the only wife I've ever had, by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, she's actually sitting here. I'm actually sitting in her classroom right now. We're setting up for her elementary class, and she's smiling, okay. back, she's smiling back at me. Uh, I've been making palm trees all day. Um, so back to back to this. It really, like I said, the on, there needs to be an ongoing conversation uh, because Facebook evolves. Facebook is always coming out with a new way to uh, communicate more instantly, uh, to be more connected. And as that evolves, uh, the conversations that you have with your spouse need to be ongoing. Not every day, you know. This isn't like you need to be constantly looking at your Facebook, uh, your, your spouse's Facebook, and vice versa. No, there needs to be a level of trust. There needs to be acknowledged there's a fine line between possessiveness and protection, but there needs to be an, uh, a, an agreed upon understanding of what type of communication with the opposite sex 
is appropriate. Uh, one, but two, you also need folks need to listen to folks like uh, this is not an arrogant comment, but myself who have seen done the research, who have seen devastated marriages, devastated countless thousands, tens of thousands. The the divorce courts uh, in some states show upwards of seventy five percent. Uh, in, in the divorce records, cite the word Facebook as one of the reasons that folks uh, end a marriage. That, that is, whether it's a large amount of time spent on Facebook, but oftentimes it is inappropriate, emotional and sexual laden words were exchanged and affairs transpired, and that's why um, a divorce happened. So um, communication is, is a tricky subject because we're all, uh, in a sense, experts in communication. We all wake up every day. We all communicate with ourselves intrapersonally, with others interpersonally. But it's just like uh, a, a doctor coming to you and saying, you know, uh, you know, let's say this would be awful. But he said, you have cancer. You know, you would listen to your doctor. You would learn, you know, how can I get this cancer out? Similarly, with, with these researchers that devote their lives to this topic, you need to really listen to us that this can harm you. We can't have the whole – we can't be under the mindset that uh, this can't happen to me. There really has to be a, a selflessness to it, you know, kind of a breaking down of the self and really putting your spouse – uh, up on the, uh, of the pedestal in which you want to serve. That is an insane statistic. Seventy five percent mentioning uh, Facebook. Um, that that's really eye opening. And and you know, there's so many directions that uh, we could take this conversation. I think it's so fascinating. Personally, not so much um, in our marriage in the sense of infidelity, but in the sense of uh attention uh given to uh Sarah as my wife and then our daughter we have a 2-year-old daughter and I get sucked in you know and and I'm I consider myself a mild case compared to people you know that are always on their phones but I find myself I'm I'm scrolling through Instagram and in 30 minutes later it's like I just went through a black hole and and it's like <laughs> what did I just do and yeah. So I think for for a couple reasons, definitely for the infidelity and in, in talking, you know, talking to the opposite sex, being aware of that and setting those boundaries one on one, talking with your partner, hugely important. But just from a a nourishing the relationship standpoint, nourishing yourself standpoint, I think it's in uh, in I know I'm preaching to the choir here with you, but definitely our listeners and I feel it myself is that. We live in in a in a great time, and technology is evolving, and and it helps us in a lot of ways. But it, there's a lot of things that that I think it's detrimental towards, and and the relationships with other people. You know, your Facebook friends are not real friends, probably. I mean, ninety percent right. of the time. I mean, I know I don't know. I've never met ninety five percent of the people on there. Um, that I'm friend, you know, quote unquote friends with in person. So anyways, it, it's just really important. I think to, to mention that, to be aware of it from a, a time standpoint. And then, um, have you heard of Tristan Harris? He's an ethicist. Um, he, he worked for Google and I've heard him interviewed a couple of times, but, uh, it, it's pretty fascinating the work he's doing, but what he likes to point out is that these companies, uh, Facebooks and Instagrams and Snapchat, their design and their, their engineers are trying to keep you on their site. They want yes. your eyes on, on their screen. It's not, oh, uh, we want you to have a, a great life and a great user experience yes but ultimately it's to keep you on there so they can 
pay, you know, make money. And, and there's nothing wrong with that in a sense, but he's trying to point that out and, and, and keep those companies in check and say, hey, the, the psychological uh, impact and, and damage that we can be doing is pretty significant. So, um, yeah, I could go on, but why don't you, no. why don't you, no, uh, you're, you're on that. have you heard of Tristan and, and the work he's doing? I, I saw a segment, um, it was on the news a couple months ago, and it, it discussed brain science. Um, I, I had been starting to look into that this last year. Dr. Larry Rosen out of Cal State actually has done a lot of research on um, uh, the brain and the implications that uh, technology is having and uh, really talks about how developers are doing what you were just talking about, how, app, for instance, phone app uh, developers um, really uh, – create these algorithms that um, are individualized to your own personal needs. Uh, so it, it really records how much time you uh, look on your look at your phone. It really records you. So your algorithm is different than your wife's and uh, y'all's is different than ours, uh, depending on how much you know we, we all look at our phones. And so let's say um, y'all have an Instagram account, for instance, and uh, let's say you just posted a picture of your family. Uh, it will hold back specific uh, for an extra determined amount of time, uh, likes or hearts or, or whatnot, to really uh, uh, stimulate uh, your mind in that certain moment. So, for instance, if you're out at the grocery store and you just post the picture uh, and you look on your phone, wow, you haven't got any likes yet. But after an hour, let's say you look down and, and there's like 50 uh, likes, and that's supposed to increase your level of hey, you know, these folks are really loving on me now. And you log into your Instagram account and you use it more. Um, so we're really being kind of manipulated and I always come down as oh, the, the, the professor that hates social media and that's definitely not the case. It's just that we are, uh, prone to addiction. That's, that's, it's human nature. Uh, we can be really, uh, addiction can be, uh, uh, to a degree good. I mean, I can be very devoted to my wife, um, uh, face to face and online to protect her. And that's, that's a good devotion in my book. That's a good level of, I am addicted to, um, serving her. Um, however, addiction can be bad, obviously drugs, alcohol. Um, but what, what they're also seeing is that folks' minds are responding similarly uh, when they log on to social media or social media on their phones or text messaging. They're responding similarly to uh, how, how drug um, addicts respond when they, when, they, um, when they take certain drugs or alcoholics or, or gamblers when they go gambling. And so there, there really is no age limit now on social media. I mean, they say 13 for Facebook, but come on, all ages are using it. Um, and so uh, there, there really needs to be at some point, I'm, I'm hoping, after all this brain science research, and um, I'm actually looking to do some research in the next year that looks at um, uh, anxiety and whenever you're pulled away from your phone, does cortisol levels increase? Uh, because Dr. Rosen has already found that blood pressure does increase when you're away from your phone for approximately five minutes or so. Um, if you're one who's uh, very addicted to your phone, you check it over 900 times a day. Uh, but uh, I hope to do that too, to hope to add to the literature that there need there needs to be education for the young kids coming up like in elementary school of the, of the devastating effects to not only relationships, but also the self, the way we think, the way we process our cognition. The, everything is changing and we need to be aware of that uh, because our relationships are really hurting. So I could go on and on and on too. So um, I'll stop there. <laughs> that statistic 900 times in a day, that, I mean, that's amazing. I, I just saw, um, I think we were watching a documentary of some sort and they said 150 times was considered a lot. And I, I thought that was a lot, but 900 is, that's well, said the most, yeah. The most addicted, it, it was 955, and they said it's approximately 50% of Americans wow. is at 955 a day. Wow. So 
let's say we have a listener who maybe they're addicted to their cell phone or social media or their partner is, and they want to bring awareness to it. Do you have any insight on a good way to start the conversation? Really is just sitting down, having a one-on-one, no distraction, so distraction-free conversation at the, let's say, kitchen table, no devices, uh, and really just coming at it very... uh, in a care fronting uh, uh, method that is you're not confronting, but you're care fronting. You're coming to them and saying, you know, I care for you. I care for us. I care for the development, the, ma- the management, the success of this marriage. And I've really seen that uh, you've been distracted at times. You have to come at it this method because we're so de- reliant on our, our devices. Many people are to such a degree that, or anything for that matter, uh, that when you confront somebody, they don't want to give it up. If it's been benefiting them, nobody wants to really, it's really hard for us to admit that we're doing something wrong. We're doing something to hurt ourselves or hurt our relationship. So you really have to be really gentle. Um, it's like having an intervention with somebody. You have to be very caring. You can't, you know, uh, you know, accuse, condemn, uh, bring down, um, but rather it's, it's saying, Hey, you know, you know, honey, I've really noticed that your phone is really taking a lot of your attention uh, away from my, myself and the kids, you know, it just seems like you're not there, et cetera, et cetera. And then just saying, Hey, you know, I don't, I'm not against you ever using it, but can we have maybe some set, you know, guidelines, you know, not rules, but just certain guidelines for amount of time used or, uh, and, and um, there's certain apps now out there that really could help with this endeavor that really, they track uh, your usage on the cell phone. And, and there's multiple apps out there that I recommend uh, looking into. Uh, and that could give you an insight, give the, especially the spouse that's really addicted to their phone that seems to be on it a lot to see how many times they actually do check it. And then they can have, wow, sometimes we need to see that. We need to see what we're actually doing. We need to be caught. We need to catch ourselves red handed, basically, uh, to see what we're actually doing. Uh, because we can feel almost like everybody's doing it or our spouse is looking at our, at our phone as, as, as much as we are. They're on social media as much, et cetera. Um, when our other spouse, you know, at night is, is wanting to be loved on at night, wants to sit with you and cuddle and watch a movie without you having your phone uh, face up on your lap. Uh, because that's been shown many times, especially in my research, that that communicates that, that, that you place an emphasis, you desire that phone more than your significant other or child. It really does. It, it subconsciously communicates that. So you really have to be careful. Yeah, I I think this is great. Just a big thing is is bringing that awareness and and making sure that uh, you become present and maybe it's an app to help track that. And then you say, man, I'm I'm checking my phone a hundred times or I'm on it for this amount of time and being cognizant of it and then just trying to be mindful. Uh, I just heard a a great little thing. this can be done with your spouse or partner, but it was if you go out with a group of friends, the guy said, "Put everyone puts their phones on the table, and the first person to grab their phone has to pay for dinner." <laughs> so, I like that. I like so <laughs> the phones on the table. So even you know, it doesn't even have to be social media. It's like checking the news. Uh, Sarah has these news alerts, and she. She just has them. She doesn't even pay attention to them. I think she just forgot to <laughs> turn them off. They don't bother her. But even when I see her phone light up, I'm like this. My, I go to the primate, you know, the primitive part of my brain lights up, and it's like I just have to look at it. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta turn that off. It's distracting me. But it's, it is, it is. Uh, it's really crazy to the, how the technologies are designed to grab our attention and how they appeal to these base 
uh, levels of of human evolution that that draw us in, and that's why I'm saying, like, even I'm sitting here saying this, and then later today I'll be guilty of scrolling through my Instagram, you know, and, and that's why I just think it's such an important thing to put out there that I'm always trying sure. to to be aware of. And and let's kind of bring this back. Uh, so I think our listeners are, no, put down your cell phone unless you're listening to this podcast, you know, <laughs> which you, you don't need to be listening. Uh, you don't need to be looking at it to listen. But going back to kind of the infidelity part of being on social media and, and talking with the opposite sex or, or the temptation, at what point is it unhealthy? Because I'm picturing, uh, let's say, a guy who has a a female friend from college and they stay in touch. To me, I don't want to say it's weird, but it seems very rare that that that, that happens and it's in non-romantic, that they were never romantic at one point or that it couldn't develop into something romantic. Like, how do you or, navigate that? Or... Is this guy, is he married? Um, yeah, or let's just say he's in a relationship. Uh, it doesn't have, you know, like in a serious relationship or married. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, let's see. How do I approach this? How do I say this gently? Um, <laughs> firm believer, I'm a firm believer that one-on-one opposite sex friendships, one-on-one exclusive opposite sex friendships are not appropriate. I understand. I received great backlash for that. Uh, a lot of my articles are very popular because either they people enjoy them and they resonate with them, or they think I'm just crazy off my rocker. Um, there are so many subtle verbal, nonverbal nuances face to face online that could uh, bring those people together in a way that could damage a marriage, especially in a marriage one on one. I now, as I say, exclusive. I do, uh, or excuse me, will follow that with group friendships with the opposite sex can be acceptable. You know, when done appropriately, when the opposite, when the when the both spouses are okay with the opposite sex friends, um, most definitely. But having a one-on-one, having somebody outside of your spouse that you confide in, that is so dangerous. Um, it's like trying to swim in the deep end. You don't know how to swim. Um, you, you, you're taking a chance. You're taking a chance that you will stay afloat, um, even though you may be able to doggy paddle for a little bit. Uh, you just Those things, one-on-one opposite sex friends are very dangerous. And so when somebody reaches out uh, from one's past – you have no idea why they reached out. Uh, you don't know if they're having a reminiscent moment of uh, maybe their, your past friendship or maybe you dated in the past or maybe they were just recently um, – uh, somebody ended the, their, their romantic relationship and they're maybe looking uh, for a shoulder to cry on or they're just seeing they're, – they're, they're, they're wanting security. We place so much emphasis on getting in relationships for security. I mean that's a topic for a whole other discussion. Um, and uh, and we, we put so much hope in maybe our spouse for uh, being our, our, our salvation. That's once again another – topic for conversation. But uh, my point here is uh, when people reach out like that, you don't know what the reason is. It's very abstract. And so to not even go there, that's when I recommend, I talked about this at the beginning of the segment, segment um, uh, going through your Facebook account, deleting people that uh, you have um, uh, a great uh, understanding that they may be somebody that could be tempting for you, or they may reach back out to you, uh, or you may just have a little inkling, maybe you never talked to them, just deleting them. There's nothing wrong with deleting people um, uh, from social media. But uh, with regards back to one-on-one opposite sex friendship, they just, they're not appropriate because um, the emotional confiding, the connection that can occur is instantaneous. 
Um, and so you start, you can start the comparison game. We know the comparison, comparison is, is very, can be detrimental psychologically when you compare your body to others, when you compare what you look like to others in magazines, social media, et cetera, et cetera. You do that same, same thing with your spouses. So if you have somebody that, that you meet with one-on-one, you go to coffee, you go to dinner, um, you watch movies together alone. I mean, you do these things that are so dangerous, uh, and you're married or you're in a, in a, in a, in, a, in some type of courtship or engagement, um, uh, you are giving to them what you should be giving to your significant other and spouse. You cannot, cannot, and this is one of the few times I'll say 100% cannot fully give to your spouse emotionally and sexually, um, fully to them when you're giving to somebody, uh, somebody else. Uh, that percentage uh, cannot be split up. So if you're giving to somebody else, it's, it's split uh, oftentimes right down the middle, 50-50. So um, uh, great stewardship just needs to happen. Because like I said, group friendships, I mean, I have colleagues of, of, of the same sex and the opposite sex um, that I get along with, I'm cordial with, I'm kind with. Um, uh, my wife does as well. Uh, but we have guidelines in place to potential to protect against the potential possibility that somebody may try to infiltrate us. And w- when and if that happens, we have the guidelines set in place so we know how to respond. We know how to be kind to them and say, hey, you know, we're married. Um, we're not going to do that. We're not going to hang out one-on-one. Yeah, well, you know, it makes it so easy now with, with Facebook. It's like, oh, let me see what uh, my, that girl from high school is up to. And, and it, like you said, it may seem innocent, but there the breadcrumbs are, are starting. Uh, and and I like how you, you pointed out that the one-on-one relationship. I I think, and, and I like your opinion, but if you do have a friend of the opposite sex, I don't think there's anything wrong with that if you're in a marriage, but that, that needs to be shared in that, like you said, you're not confiding in that person and not your spouse. Instead, that person but now becomes your spouse's friend as well. You may not be as good of friends, but you introduce them and the three of you hang out or, you know, I, I feel like, and that's probably a harder line to, to walk. Uh, right. but I feel like some people might just be like, Oh, I just can't talk to them. It's like, well, I think you can have that. You just have to be responsible in the way right. you do it. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, uh, bring it on a personal level. I know in my, in my past, uh, 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 maybe uh, women that I dated in the past, we would we part of ways uh, very cordially, very uh, because we knew. Uh, let's say one of them got engaged, uh, and, we, and the, the communication just maybe ceased. And what I mean communication, I don't mean like straight verbal or text. But let's say, for instance, we're on Facebook and we're friends, quote unquote friends. Uh, and I uh, noticed that uh, we were no longer friends. I didn't give it a second thought uh, because I knew that uh, they had uh, gotten engaged, uh, they were in another relationship, and so. Uh, it was it was one of those just was sort of the best and moved on. Um, now with with friendships, um, uh, it is it's 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 tricky to navigate um, uh, when you have uh, somebody that asks a sex and you get married and h- how do you work that in? Do you work it in? Um, uh, and uh, so, uh, some marriages. Um, um, can coordinate this to a degree. It just depends if they're married. Um, but in my professional opinion, you know, I must say that it's just very tricky to do and you have to be cautious. And I really would advise steering clear from that, uh, if at all possible. Do you find that the reason people will, in this specific situation, like you just said, choose to defriend once they've gotten engaged, is it because they're more tempted to possibly cheat on their partner or is it just more out of a respect thing that the other person wants them to cut all connections with previous exes? Definitely respect. Um, 
for the most part, uh, doing that out of respect is the prime reason why um, all those that I've ever encountered, whether it's in research or whether it's uh, friends or family, have done that. It's not that they've been tempted. Now, that is secondary. That is, um, you know, they don't want to be tempted, not just necessarily talk to uh, somebody in a private chat uh, that may lead to dangerous waters, but also pictures. I mean, pictures are very communicative. Pictures uh, influence. Uh, we uh, compare, like I said, uh, our spouses to them, whether it's bodies, whatever, whether it's their families, it's it's the um, uh, grass is greener effect. And oftentimes the grass is fake on the other side. And so we have uh, many people have to uh, be careful uh, not to do that. So what they do is they unfriend and it's, it's, uh, but mainly it's out of respect, it's out of respect for, um, you know, I, I do not want to make my spouse uncomfortable. You know, I would rather the thought is, and I agree with this wholeheartedly. I've, I've heard somebody wiser than myself say this, that, um, you know, I would rather make my, my or excuse me, <laughs> I would rather make another woman uncomfortable than my, my wife. You know, I'd rather make that other woman, um, angry before I make my wife angry. That is, uh, he's, he's not going to give, uh, emotionally or through words sexually uh, to somebody else, and so if they get upset and they don't want to, you know, deal with it, that's fine. But their at least their spouse uh, still knows that they respect them. Um, so it's really, um, I'd say, seven out of ten times is out of respect. So, well, Zach, there's there's so much we could uh, go into, and we'll have to have you back on probably sooner than later. But if we wait ten years, we can have you on, and we could talk about virtual reality and how that's messing all up our relationships because and I say that half jokingly but but in all seriousness it is uh it's only going to continue this development of technology creeping into our lives and and not really even creeping being just this center point of our lives and keeping it in check the work that you're doing is so important and it's so important that the people listening are are aware of these things aware that the companies are trying to keep you on there that to eliminate the temptation if if it's there all these things uh can help our relationships flourish so really great stuff and and like i said we'll have you back in a little bit and i shouldn't have to say this and and i know uh you wouldn't too but if you have tinder on your phone and you're in a relationship go ahead and just delete that app all right <laughs> that is uh that's probably going to be one of the easier things you can do to mm-hmm. uh to Great. keep things to keep things good now we got to move forward to the lasting love round before we get into the lasting love round want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor talkspace we all need to take a little bit better care of ourselves and our mental health is no exception Pretty much every guest on this show recommends talking to a therapist, either as an individual or a couple, to help improve yourself in the relationships in your life. And that's why we're so excited to be working with Talkspace. They're an online therapy company that makes it easy to connect with an experienced licensed therapist that you're going to pick based on your preferences for as little as $32 a week. And how cool is this? You can send your therapist text, audio, video messages, or even do live video chat. Talkspace therapists are fully licensed and go through rigorous screening processes in addition to thousands of hours of supervised professional training. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash I do. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use the coupon code IDO and get $30 off your first month and to show support for the podcast. That's 
Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship in the digital age? So it's really being just strategic uh, with communication. Uh, strategy is imperative uh, in, in this life with our communication, uh, both verbally and non-verbally when we see somebody, fa- when we interact with them face-to-face, uh, but also uh, through a text message and online, uh, you must be cognizant that what you say online, what you say through a text message has real-world implications. And so really it's just it's using strategy. It's saying, you know, how could this come across to somebody else whenever I text it? Um, or uh, how could this come across to somebody whenever I send an email or, or on social media, uh, especially uh, if you're in a, um, a, a romantic relationship looking to potentially marry someday, and definitely if you're married, um, knowing that uh, you can easily become detached, and if you're one of those that you know think I'm not, I'm just going to get away with it. Um, emotionally, psychologically, you're not. Uh, so, uh, it's going to harm you. It's going to detach you emotionally, and so you really have to just be very strategic in your day to day interactions through uh, digital media. Is there a book or resource <laughs> that you can recommend for listeners who want to work mm-hmm. on being more aware of, uh, particularly the the digital impact on their relationships? Sure. Uh, well, first, uh, I'd like to say, you know, I, I write regularly for Psychology Today on uh, uh, concerning topics, not just with uh, the relationships, but also improving, you know, this, the individual self. Um, we talk about blind spots in communication, you know, those, 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 those uh, words and thoughts and um, actions that can come out of nowhere and they can, they can harm you in your relationships and um, yourself. And that's on psychologytoday.com uh, slash blog slash clear communication, but also, um, uh, John Gottman, who is very wise, much uh, wiser than myself, um, has done much research on marriages uh, and what it takes for a successful marriage. So John Gottman has a lot of texts and resources that you can find uh, uh, on his Marriage Institute uh, website online. Um, and also uh, Aaron Benzav, uh, last name B-E-N, uh, possibly Z-E-E-V. Uh, he kind of saw this coming uh, before it even happened. Uh, and, I, and I quote him a lot in my um, initial research my, of my, my dissertation. I actually quote him in the first paragraph of 300 pages. Uh, that's how important what he has to say. Uh, it's called Love Online, Emotions on the Internet. Um, this, and he discusses the changing landscape of digital and internet infidelity. And that, like I said, that was, that was written, I think, back in 2003. It was right before Facebook. Um, and so he, he started, he started seeing this landscape change and what it could potentially go to. And unfortunately that's where we're at today. Great. Well, we'll be sure to add uh, your blog as well as those other resources on our show notes page at idpodcast.com. We've been married for almost three years now. Is there any advice that you'd give newlyweds? Sure. Um, like I said, I'm newlywed myself. And so I take this uh, advice to heart. I know my wife does too, but, um, um, you can't be prepared. Uh, that is, excuse me, um, thinking about those who are engaged, but if you're engaged, you can't be prepared to just give up certain freedoms when you're married, but more so you need to be willing and eager to give them up. Um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to give up certain freedoms, single, the freedoms that you had when you were single. Um, the first year is often the most difficult, uh, statistically speaking for newlyweds. It can, and, uh, um, you have two individuals basically looking to become one collective unit. Uh, you'll never really know uh, how selfish you really are until until you marry. Um, uh, but when you're married, you must give up freedoms. You once had, like I said, as a single person, especially when it comes to the opposite sex. Um, 
And uh, like I said, this is not advice saying you must cut off opposite sex friends. Uh, as you know, group friendships uh, um, can be very beneficial to our community needs as humans. But um, it's advice suggesting that avoiding exclusively one-on-one opposite sex friendships, especially through text, can really help develop that first, uh, especially first year, first two years, first three years of marriage, that foundation um, so that you can have a strong, you know, uh, Lord willing, you know, uh, um, lifelong marriage until death do you part. So uh, like it goes back to that first question. It just takes strategy and intentionality um, to really serve uh, your spouse. And uh, that servitude goes above and beyond uh, when you're when you're not with them. That is when you're in a digital space such as your Facebook or, or, or a private text message. Is there any particular advice you would give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? Sure. I think the phrase, you know, marriage takes work has become kind of a cliche. And I think it sometimes turns um, single folks off from marriage. I mean, there's a lot of things, unfortunately, today in our culture, it turns folks off from marriage. But um, um, the truth of the matter is, it truly does. Apathy, indifference, and even a prideful and oftentimes narcissistic view of, you know, this can't happen to me attitude is not going to contribute to a successful marriage. So really it's, it's preparing yourself as a single person. Say I mean, there's a lot of people, the, most, the statistic it, it fluctuates um, every few years, but uh, between 90 and hundred uh, percent, excuse me, not 90 and percent, 90 and 98% of, of folks in any given uh, community will end up marrying. It just depends on the uh, locale. Um, and so really it just takes preparing yourself to uh, knowing that the person you're dating may not actually be your future spouse. So really, it's, it's, it's looking at the person as somebody else's spouse and respecting them and guarding hearts um, and, and, and just looking after, you know, saying to yourself, you know, hey, what, how I communicate with you face to face and online, you know, I'm kind of I'm, I, I want to respect you for your future spouse. If, if you're not mine um, and if you're not in a relationship, it's really preparing yourself to be able to have that heart of, 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 of servitude uh, to look at your spouse as uh, more important than your own self. Um, because if you go into a marriage with um, it's all about me, um, there's going to be a great devastation, especially that first year um, and subsequent years if, if you remain with that mindset. Well, that's great advice. And you're right. It, you know, it is kind of a cliche that marriage takes work. But and I'm sure you you can be uh, you can agree with us is that it's worth it. And listening to these podcasts or reading articles that, you know, you've written or doing your own reading and, and trying to work on your marriage. It's not easy, but it is worth it. And the reward is, is great. So thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Uh, It's been a great interview. So let's wrap up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Like I said, I I write for uh, regularly for psychology today uh, magazine. I write also for relevant uh, magazine online on my psychology today um, blog uh, column can be found at psychologytoday.com slash blog slash clear dash communication. Um, like I said, I'm also an assistant professor of communication at Taylor University. Um, you're always welcome to come and attend the class if you're a student someday. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, all of those links will be on our website at idopodcast.com. And again, we appreciate uh, you taking the time to come on the show. Thanks, Jason and Sarah. I appreciate it. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. If you haven't signed up for our 14-day happy couple challenge yet, head on over to our website at idopodcast.com forward slash 14 to sign up today.
You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.